Look, I don't know if you guys have heard about this article in the New York Times about honeybees vanishing. The honeybee is vital to the environment. Bees, Scotty. Bumblebee! Killer bees. Are you endowing these bees with human motives? Yeah. Bees are funny. You're not interested in what happened to the bees. Do you have any idea what those bees can do? Welcome to Killer Bees, a podcast where we profile B-movie and genre film icons. My name is Garrett Smith. And my name is Tori Potenza. We can be found everywhere on the internet at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and at gmail.com. Our artwork is by Alex Schneider. Our music is by Christine Rayburn and her partner, Pat. And today, we are talking about Angela Bettis. Was that your first time doing it without the notes? Yeah, I didn't. I forgot that I didn't have them open until you I, we were good. already in it. Did I get it all? Yeah, you did. So I got all the pieces? You did it. Great. Yeah, only took, uh, I don't know, however long we've been doing this. Uh, more than 50 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now that we've gotten rid of the Wu-Tang, I like, always pause, because I'm like, fuck, I'm supposed to say another thing, a secondary thing. Yeah, you should never get rid of the Wu-Tang. That's the lesson everybody <sighs> should take away yeah, from this. Yeah, we fucked up. Real bad. Um... Yeah, so... Angela Bettis. <laughs> Angela Bettis. Very cool and exciting. I, I love Angela Bettis. I think she is an unsung like, horror uh, star, and so I'm very excited to talk about her. Agreed. Um, But we can quickly talk about any movies we watched, Um, which I think you said you don't have anything you're that interested in speaking to, uh, except for like some of the Fantastic Fest stuff. Yeah, why don't we just talk about Fantastic Fest, which you are covering. So I am covering Fantastic Fest virtually, which I am very excited about. Um, Honestly, everything has been like really great so far that I really want to go in person when I can, uh, hopefully someday in the future. Um, But I am doing Brooklyn Horror Fest in uh, person next month, which is very exciting. Um, But yeah, so far, the lineup has been really great. Um, I will be writing a review for this, but I didn't watch it for Fantastic Fest. It just also is premiering there. But I watched the movie Piggy, uh, which is about like a... um, a girl who is getting like severely abused about her weight and watches her abusers get kidnapped and then has to kind of decide what she wants to do about that. Yeah, how did you like that movie? Uh, I loved it. You and did? it actually okay. won, maybe it was the audience award. It just won an award at Fantastic Fest like today uh, that I saw. So I'm really glad because it's a great movie um, that, you know, I feel like we don't get a lot of care, uh, get a lot of stories where the lead is someone who is dealing with like, you know, being fat and like being made fun of for their weight. Uh, And so seeing that and then also like her kind of dealing with like the ethical implications of all of the things is very interesting. Uh, And the lead is really great. So um, that was awesome. I saw all jacked up and full of worms, which yes, I did watch for the title, but also turned out to be a really fun, really like fucking weird movie about uh, people doing worms, getting fucked up on worms. Oh, people doing worms. Oh, yeah. They eat worms. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, And then one that we were both really excited about because we love the first movie of this new cinematic universe. Uh, We got a chance to see Shin Ultraman, which is awesome. I loved Shin Ultraman so much. It was delightful. I was so glad that I got to see it. Thanks to you covering this festival. Yeah. Um, we are big fans of Shin Godzilla. It's the same creative team. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not quite the biting satire that that movie is, but I think that's because they rightfully understand that that's also not what Ultraman really is as a character. Mm-hmm. But it's got the same sense of humor, the same it's very funny. commitment to like modern effects that are meant to recall the classic effects. Uh, it looks really good. Yeah, it looks great. I've never seen anything that looks like these movies, which right. I love. Yeah, me too. I like that they don't feel the need. I think one of the things that makes CGI end up not looking good is for some reason when we're doing CGI, we go like, okay, we need to make this look quote unquote real. And it's like, we all know it's not real. It's a monster. It's a creature. Yeah. It doesn't need to look real. Yeah, it's it's not real. Yeah. You know? So like, I think that what they are doing with special effects is really interesting and I really love the way it looks on screen. 
Um, I did, by the way, I did do a little more research on the cinematic universe thing because mm-hmm. I was like, what is up with that? Because this movie has a Shin Godzilla title card at the beginning. Yes. Like just before the Shin Ultraman title card, but then never specifically references the events of Shin Godzilla. Yeah. One of the directors said that they do not intend for these to share the same like cinematic space. They are meant to I'm be their cool own that. individual stories that the announcement in North America was very confusingly reported. Because that's how we do things here. Yes. <laughs> Everything needs to fucking be connected. The shared universe is for merchandise. They will be making merchandise in which these things awesome. all share and occupy the same space. Okay. But the movies themselves will be their own individualized things. I mean, great. Which is cool. I don't need everything to yep. be connected, same. unlike some... I don't know, producers and people think. Uh, so <laughs> I'm very excited for this to be its own thing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the the new one will be cool because I know you love Common Rider. So Shin Common yeah. Rider should be great too. I think very that's slated excited. to come out next year. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, and maybe it'll be on some of these fests. We'll yeah. have to see. I'm delighted that this movie was as good as it was. Yeah. I really love this movie. Um, yeah, so Fantastic Fest has been great so far. I still have some other things that I'm excited about that I know like we're excited about also. There's some stuff playing that unfortunately I can't get virtually, like the new Park Chan-wook, right. uh, which I am very excited about, and also the uh, Bones and All, the right, Timothy right. Chalamet cannibal movie. Um, so yeah, lots of good stuff. Lots of like decent independent horror just in general lately. Um, I also just reviewed Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, who's by the same director as um, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, and that fucking rocked. So uh, yeah, it's just an s- exciting time and a very fucking good year for horror. Yeah. Um, cool. So let us get into Angela Bettis. Uh, so she has 47 acting credits, nine producer credits, and two director's credits. Right. Uh, she was born January 9th, 1973 in Austin, Texas. Uh, according to IMDb, her trademark is roles of socially awkward women. All right. <laughs> I was just like, I mean, you're not wrong, but like, you know, chill, IMDb. Yeah, why does IMDb have to, like, uh, double down on this idea that, like, actors can only be a specific... I don't know, that's weird. I know, I agree. And, like, I think we have seen a fair amount of her roles where she isn't doing that. Yes. Um, But, you know, if you know, like, I guess one or two of her, like, big title ones, then it kind of makes sense. But um, apparently she ran cross-country in Texas at the state level, which I thought was interesting just because, like who she is portrayed as oftentimes in film. I was like, you don't strike me as someone that was like an athlete, but I dig it. Um, You don't think she looks fast? I think she looks fast. She could be. Yeah. But I feel like I know like lots of people that like kind of look like Angela Bettis that weren't necessarily like, you know, especially since like she does play like these socially awkward characters sometimes, or it's just like, Oh, you're an athlete. All right. I think for some reason I'm imagining like her character from 12 Hour Shift. And like, I imagine that that person at when needed could like sprint faster than any other person on the planet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, she graduated from the American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York um, and began her career as a stage actor. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah, I thought so, too. Um, she actually, she really strikes me as like a film actor. She, but uh, that's that's very interesting. But I feel like now that I think about it, there are a lot of films she is in which do feel like a little bit more, I don't know, like staged Stagey? in that okay. way, mm. uh, which is kind of interesting. Um. So yeah, she begins her. A career on screen in the 90s uh, for TV. She was on Touched by an Angel. Never seen that, but always remember that title just from growing up in the 90s. Yeah, same here. I, I'm like familiar with the title, but I don't think I've ever seen it. And then uh, I believe her first film role was in 1993, a movie called Sparrow, which is an Italian film. Oh. Um, Maria, a future nun, is evacuated from her convent um, in Catania. Catania uh, to her father's uh, Mount Etna shadowed villa. During her stay, she falls in love with Nino, a family friend, but things fall apart when Catiana uh, is declared safe for her return to Sicily, meaning she must renounce her love and concentrate on serving God. Okay. All right. (laughs) Yeah. For her, too, as like, I think she is like the lead. Um, So I think that's like also very interesting for like a starting role for her. I'm like, an Italian drama. Um, 
1999, she is in the movie The Last Best Sunday. Uh, a Hispanic teenager hides out from the law in the home of a good-natured but rebellious Caucasian teenage girl after till- killing two rednecks who beat him up and left him for dead, leading to a collision of cultures between the two youths. Which sounds kind of interesting, actually. Yeah, it, it also sounds like the kind of movie we were like making a lot in like the late 90s, too. Yeah. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. There's like a lot of her films I did cut out. She did like a ton of indie stuff to the point where like it's so indie, like I could like some of them like were hard to find information on, or some of them she was in a lot of movies about or around 9-11, but also I guess that is like the time Whoa, that she is coming yeah. up as an actor. Yeah. Uh, which is also kind of interesting. That isn't so like, yeah, she's probably making like super independent movies at yeah. a certain point. Okay. Which I think is probably how she and Lucky McKee got together. Mm -hmm. I tried to find like more personal information about her and Lucky and just her in general, but she is like a super private person. Love it. Um, Which good for you. Yeah, that's great. Um, so you get to her. Oh, she was also in a Girl Interrupted. I forgot to mention that. I've never seen that movie. Have you seen that? I. I know it was like on TV sometimes, like so I've either seen parts movie. of it or yeah, like a lot of girls I feel like base their personalities off of like this book and this movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I just remember that that was a big movie for yeah. like p- people my age, older. Like for some reason that like late nineties, early two thousands, this movie like came up a lot, but I don't think I ever saw it. Whitney yeah. Murphy is in this, right? Uh, I, I believe it stars Angelina Jolie. Oh, right. And yes. um, Winona Ryder. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got there it. might be some other, like, I guess, kind of well known. Oh, yeah. Brittany Murphy, Elizabeth Moss, okay. uh, Clay Duvall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Jared Leto, piece of shit. <laughs> um, yeah. Actually, like, does have, like, a pretty. Oh, Misha Collins, Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah. This, oh, Vanessa Redgrave. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. What a crazy cast. Tons okay. of people. So strange. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm, so th- I agree. It was like a big like cultural like touchstone. I, I have think. to imagine this is like huge for her and her career, if that makes sense. You yeah. I mean? And I think she's just like kind of a side character. But um, but yeah, I mean, that is a big film. And like, I don't think the only big one or at least like big names she's like worked with. I, I'm pretty sure. Right. Um, so then we get to her roles in the 2000s. Um, for TV, she was on the show House, uh, as I'm sure, you know, you do when you're doing TV in the 2000s. Uh-huh. Uh, and then she was also on Masters of Horror in one of the shorts directed by Lucky McKee. Okay, that's cool. We've seen the um, John Carpenter directed shorts from this series. We at least saw one of them. Did we, we watch both Pro-Life. of them? We saw Pro-Life. I think we watched them both, didn't we? Didn't we watch Pro-Life and Cigarette Burns? Oh, maybe. I can only remember Cigarette Burns. Maybe we never did watch Pro-Life. Maybe not. I don't know now. Yeah, I don't know. I thought we did. Cigarette burns, I like vividly remember, yeah. and I can't remember. I know, like, but I also know we like wa- we listened to a podcast about it, so I don't right. know if Maybe I remember I just, just remembering what... that. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, interesting series. It was like a t- television series, kind of. It was like Showtime, maybe. And so yeah. they're like hour long, like, like anthology, kind of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool, and they were all directed by like you know pretty yeah, really decent like horror directors and stuff. Yeah. Um. In 2000, she is in the movie Bless the Child. Which I remember I, this VHS cover. I've yeah, never seen this movie. but Me neither. I like know the name. Yeah. Um, but also crazy cast, uh, Kim Basinger, uh, Jimmy Smith, oh, yeah. uh, Christina Ricci, mm-hmm. and Ian Holm. Mm-hmm. Um, Cody, a little girl abandoned by her mother and raised by her aunt, a nurse, is kidnapped. The girl's guardian, aided by the FBI agent, learned that Cody has supernatural abilities and the abductees are a satanic cult willing to do anything to gain them. I mean, that sounds awesome, but I feel like I would have heard more about this movie if it was actually awesome. Yeah, and it also is like, you know, satanic panic vibes where I'm like, meh, I don't know. Yeah, I I like that shit. Um, 2001, she is in the movie The Flamingo Rising, which is a TV movie with William Hurt and John Gallagher Jr. Oh, okay. So strange. Um, and then in 2002, she has a starring role in the movie May, which is uh, probably how a lot of like horror indie fans like know her. I was gonna say a starring role. She's the she star is she of is May. May. Yeah, yeah. That's I think like she is May. She is which, May. You know. Um, I guess for better or worse, maybe depending on how she feels about that. But yeah, I mean, I think she, 
I, I mean, I have some notes here and stuff too, but I think she like liked this and liked working with Lucky okay, McKee. Cool. Um, they work together a ton, right? Because this movie is like actually iconic. I think, and she's incredible in it. Yeah. Um, and it's got a ton of interesting stuff going on. Um, like it is kind of like a female version of like Frankenstein mm-hmm. for the most part. She is this like lonely girl. Um, I think she has uh, I forget what it is. Uh, with her eye she like has to wear these like special glasses oh it's a lazy eye i think Mm -hmm. um and so like she has some like you know just like physical like stuff that's going on that like kind of give her some like body dysmorphia um but you know she like is this lonely woman that works at like a vet clinic with anna ferris who like is always trying to have sex with her which is hilarious it like she's like good in this movie too um and then the lead is um, Jeremy Sisto, mm-hmm. uh, who I like thought was such a hottie like at this point in time in films too. Yeah. Although he is kind of always a sleaze bag in things, um, including Clueless, but I think he's adorable. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is definitely also too. I think people say that she plays like the socially awkward women. Um, I wrote about her for my Women Who Kill column mm-hmm. pretty early on and talked about this movie on Wild Pretty Things podcast because I really love this as a as a like monstrous feminine kind of story. Um, and it's like super empathetic to this character who is just like sad and lonely and wants a friend. Yeah. I, I saw this because I had like a high school girlfriend that had this VHS. And yeah. it was like, I do think it was like one of those like, uh, not I guess not secret, but like secret tapes that got passed around yeah. am- among like the, the coolest kids who were like found yeah. something in May that they recognized, you know? Yeah, um, it makes w- sense. Which is really neat. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's also like, I think an early movie where you're kind of getting depictions of like bisexuality too, because yes. I feel like that's not a thing that still is like, you know, problematic. There's like tons of fire erasure. Um, so the fact that like she is like interested in Jeremy Sisto and then kind of later on like does like try to be with Anna Ferris, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Uh, this movie also has James Duval in it, uh, who people know best as uh, Frank the Bunny from Donnie Darko. Oh, shit. Yes, and we saw them in that terrible movie a few years ago, yes. remember? Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I love this actor. I just, for some reason, uh, whenever he pops up and stuff, I was like, wow, Frank the Bunny. He has this, like, crazy, like, mohawk, like, these spiked pieces of hair in this movie, I remember. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she, yeah, there's a quote from her about the movie. She said, the truth is I get script after script after bullshit script. <laughs> Such bad scripts come across my table, as is what happens in L.A. Then this little genius jewel of a thing showed up and just I just pursued it very avidly. Even through uh, representatives, of course, uh, were all, oh, my God, there's no money. You shouldn't do this. It's independent. You're never going to blah, blah, blah. I just told them to screw off, and it ended up being the right mix. Uh, Me and Lucky ended up having a good sort of, what's the word? Uh, It was just the right mix, I think, chemistry-wise. I was excited to do it, so I pursued it so much. Um, To me, that looked like the part of a lifetime, which... um, I mean, she ends up being like kind of right. I yeah, mean, that, like she is May. That yeah. is she, that is an iconic, I think, horror character for people our age for sure. And um, definitely how Angela Bettis is, I think, known mostly. Yeah, um, especially for I don't know genre fans our age. Yeah, and it's funny, like the interviews I could find with her, she does talk like this, or it's a lot of like ah fuck whatever, <laughs> like and I'm yeah, like no rad. bullshit, and yeah. I'm like oh you're probably super fun to hang yeah. out with. Um, like I think she does in one of the interviews talk about like her and Anna Faris like hooking up in the in the movie and stuff, <laughs> yeah. and I was just like damn okay hell yeah. Um, and then in one of the interviews, someone asked her. Um, if she had fun with the gore in the movie and mm-hmm. she's like, it's so fucking fun to do that stuff. It's so fun. And it's amazing to watch it. Cause it's, uh, turns out horrific, but doing it is a blast, like getting yourself all covered in blood and splurting. That's so much fun. <laughs> awesome. Like, Oh, you're cool. Yeah. She I like you. Cool. Um, after that, she is in a movie called Coastlines with Timothy Oliphant and Josh Brolin. Okay, I mean, that's a cast. I don't know what that is, but that's a cast. Yeah, an ex-con returns to his Florida hometown after three years and becomes involved with the wife of his best friend, the local sheriff. Uh-oh. Damn. Sounds like a pretty typical steamy, sexy thriller of the yep, time. for sure. Uh, and then she is in the TV movie Carrie, which was written by Brian Fuller. 
um, which uh, we ended up watching this because I always kind of forget that this is a Carrie movie that existed like before the Carrie remake we always talk about. Um, I like remember that this exists. I, I sort of remember for some reason this poster is very familiar yeah. to me. Um, but I did not know Brian Filler was involved. Um, yeah, Brian who Fuller. I love. Um, yeah, who we love, uh, you know, Han- of Hannibal fame. Which yeah, we love in this uh, house. because uh, what's her? Uh, Catherine Isabel. I almost said mm-hmm. Isabella Johnny. Uh, Catherine Isabel is in this movie as one of the mean girls. And I'm pretty sure we talked about it briefly because then she does go on to work on Hannibal, yes. which is awesome. Um uh, I yeah. I liked this, I think, for the most part. I liked this quite a bit, too. I mean, it has the unfortunate... Uh, uh, um, what, what's the way to say this? Be- because De Palma's movie already exists yes. and is such a terrific horror movie, Yeah. Um, I don't know that there would ever be another adaptation of Carrie that, that would quite live up to that or, mm-hmm. or, or get people as excited as that, right? I mean, yeah. that is just a terrific horror movie. So now, all of that said, uh, I actually recently read the book Carrie for the first time and really enjoyed it. And I thought that this TV movie really captured like the tragedy of that character mm. uh, even better than De Palma's movie. And it, how powerful she really mm-hmm. is, yes, too. Yes, yes. Like, I don't think that this movie is nearly as effective a horror movie as De Palma's movie. And so it does sort of pale in comparison in that way. But... But as an adaptation of the story Carrie, I think it's terrific. Yeah. It's really, really good. Um, uh, Bettis is really good in the role of Carrie. You know, I, I think that um, she's she is bringing a bit of theatric, you know, sort of stage theatricality to it. Now that you're saying that we're talking about it, I kind of I think I can kind of see that in some of the mm-hmm. performance here. Um, but the movie gets across like how, I, I don't know how to say this, but like how, she is someone to be feared to some yeah. extent because she really is really powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but she doesn't have to be someone who is feared. It is what it, it is the people she is surrounded by and the way they treat her and, and handle her that makes her someone to be feared. You yeah. know? And it's, it's that tragedy uh, that I think this movie like really, really gets across mm-hmm. really well, you know, that she's actually this like, incredible human that is incredibly not just incredible because she's incredibly powerful yes but also like an incredible person and because those two things are true at the same time everyone around her like tears her down and and turns her into a monster yeah um it's and i I just thought the movie was really really effective at conveying that stuff it also includes a bunch of things from the book that de palma's movie excises i think for budget reasons and things like that i mean the 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 um the ask the the comet asteroid things is yeah that like, was wild yeah a really powerful image from the book that they they get across in the tv movie pretty well which is really cool yeah um yeah so i, I really enjoyed it has it. like kind of a cool ending for her too which i have a little bit more information on Please, that as yeah. well uh, but uh first off uh, apparently bettis uh is not a fan of this oh um, interesting if I weren't in it, I wouldn't have watched it. I would have been one of those people that was like down with the Carrie remake. Wow. And I like kind of, I kind of get that. Sure. Um, yeah. So she was a fan of the novel and the 76 film, but was opposed to the idea of a remake and only accepted the role after hearing of the proposed TV series that would follow um, after Carrie Whoa. survives. Um, so Bettis was hoping to get a steady paycheck from the series uh-huh. that would allow her to m- keep making indie films. The TV never materialized and she just owned, uh, just owned wow. the adaptation. Okay. So this really was like, as if like, this was almost like a pilot basically yeah. for like a potential carry series. Yeah. Wow. Um, the idea, she said, the ideas I've heard are Carrie and Sue Snell taking off for Florida, like wow. Thelma and Louise. Um, I've heard something else about how the town reacts after this great catastrophe catastrophe um like what happened after oh. columbine um here's this girl dealing with her psychokinesis and the fact that she's wiped out an entire town of people yeah, i mean that's definitely interesting stuff yeah so there i feel like is some stuff there that probably would have been like interesting movie material or a uh, tv show material mm-hmm. but um but yeah it just never happened that's really interesting but i kind of want to see that like i want to see uh her and sue and their hijinks and adventures yeah, after this. I mean, that's definitely, I, I think I can also see how that does not materialize yeah. as something, right? But that, that is interesting. Um, and I did think this was pretty good. I mean, yeah. it, like I said, it's like, 
it's just there's always going to be that De Palma movie that's going to make these kinds of things just feel like why are we doing this yeah. you know but I do think this is a pretty great adaptation of that that book there's even like the guy that ends up taking her to the prom the way he like talks to her like yes. I find that scene like really endearing and sweet and he isn't like trying to lead her on like he is like kind of letting like he's not totally truthful but he is just like I think you're cool and like I want to take you to a dance and wouldn't that be like a great way to like tell these people to fuck off kind of and yeah. you're like yeah I mean that's like what I mean about it conveying the tragedy of this so well where yeah. it's like there are actually people that want to be on her side yeah. and want to like do right by her like the relationship with her and the teacher yeah. is like really they like really try to play that up too where this teacher yeah. is like going to bat for her like every chance she can and like wants her like She's like, high school fucking sucks. Just get out of here and like live your best life. Even the way the principal defends the teacher yeah. to the upset father and stuff where it's like so many things are actually going right in a horror. And people are doing what you in, want in them to do. In a horror story yeah. that like normally those things don't go right. And that's why we're watching the story we're watching. Yeah. And it just makes it that much more tragic that she still becomes a monster because of what these kids do to her. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Really, I, I really did enjoy this for the most part. Yeah, I agree. There's some wonky performances, I'll say. Like, I think that's yeah. actually maybe the thing that holds it back more than anything else is that there are some performances that really stick out, I think, yeah. as like, oh, I'm watching a TV movie, you know? That makes sense. Um, I don't usually talk about shorts, but I put this in here because she is in a short called The Psychology of Dream Analysis, directed by Ryan Johnson. I know. I can't believe you didn't tell me about this before we got to these notes here because I totally would have tried to look that up and find it. I love Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I was like, oh, I'm going to surprise you with this cool thing. Yeah, yeah right? that's we very cool. We should have looked that up. That's very cool. I, I would love to see her in something that he directed. And that makes me curious what that is. I'm assuming from the timeline here that that's probably something he made before getting brick off the ground. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and around this time, and I cut a lot of them out because they just didn't necessarily seem like more like genre-y films, but she was in a lot of films directed by Kevin Ford, who I believe is her ex-husband. Um, okay. But it seems like everything I said, like she's like super private. So there's not even like dates of like when they broke up or anything yeah. or how long they were married, but it sounds like it was pretty fast, but I think she continued working for his production company. Cause a lot of the things she produced and some of their directing stuff she did, I think are all like ones that he was also working hmm. on. Interesting. And lucky McKee also worked with them several times too. So it seems like they had this little like group of like indie filmmakers working okay. together. Um, and then in 2004, she is in the Toolbox, or just Toolbox Murders. Toolbox I can't add murders, the the. Right. Because I think the Toolbox Murders is like yeah. a 60s or 70s movie, maybe. Um, but at first, like, this sounded kind of dumb and we weren't going to watch it, but it was directed by Toby Hooper. So I was like, okay. Yep. And the whole premise is that this historic Hollywood hotel has like these like supernatural things going on potentially. Yeah. Um, and all of a sudden a series of murders start taking place and like all the residents start dying. Yeah. And she's what a new tenant, right? Yeah. She's she a... and her husband who is like a doctor. Uh, yeah. He's like starting his residency or yeah. something. And so she's kind of left alone in this creepy rundown apartment with all these really strange neighbors. Yeah. And it's like a really rundown apart, like really rundown yeah. apartment. Um, and yeah, all these really strange people. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah and it's like it's a it's the kind of movie and I feel like Toby Hooper actually does this quite a lot in his career where like for literally like an hour you're sort of like what are we doing yeah like what is this movie really about do I care about any of this are any of these people interesting yep. enough to carry a movie and then it ramps up and you're like fuck and then the cool. last like 20 minutes are fucking bug nuts yep they make the hour that comes before kind of make a lot more sense and mm -hmm. actually feel kind of justified. Yeah. You sort of realize that there was more comedy along the way than you thought there was because he was actually putting certain pieces in certain places to prepare yeah. you for this finale. This movie goes to such weird places. He really is essentially trying to almost do like another Texas Chainsaw Massacre with this movie. Yeah, but it's like in it's a like big Hollywood like right. hotel house right. thing. He's he's almost yeah, the the satire of of that movie that was already there is yeah. now sort of brought to Hollywood with this movie. And it's not as good as that movie and so it's it's almost not worth even comparing it to in that way. But but it is still I think very entertaining. Well and then it has this cool thing going on that they kind of get into where there's like also the history of the person that like built the hotel yeah. and how there is all this like occult kind of practice and the hotel is built in this way because of like, you know, 
summoning the devil or whatever yeah, and all of that shit i love like we yeah, talk about this all the time i love like evil yeah evil architecture evil places yeah. like i think that stuff's really fucking cool yeah. um so that really worked for me she's really great in this movie too <laughs> she is yeah she is like she's like i think more like less socially awkward more just like you know feeling lonely because her husband's away and like she realizes these things are going on and no one believes her and everyone thinks she's crazy so she's just like fuck you guys i'm gonna figure out what's happening yeah i feel like she's actually like a very active character in this movie um and gives off the impression of like as opposed to she is socially awkward and so people treat her weird in this movie it's more like everybody around her is a real fucking weirdo that like is distrusting of her really for like no reason yeah like she's just trying to bring things to their attention and they're like yeah whatever like just fuck off put in the position of being the the like socially awkward or whatever as opposed to actually being that in this which is is pretty cool yeah i i dug it i did too i I thought this movie was a lot of fun i'm surprised i don't hear people talk about it more but maybe it just is maybe in the pantheon of hooper's career it's not as interesting i don't know i thought it was pretty good i agree um in 2005 she is in a movie called the circle a frantic young woman begs a stranger to help save her marked husband, not realizing that the stranger is the hitman hired to kill him. Oh. Um, it's experiment experimental digital movie shot entirely in one take and in real time. Oh, well, wow. okay. There's like quite a few movies like this at this point, but yeah. that is very interesting. I think she's very much a part of this weird scene of like filmmaking going on. That's pretty experimental. Um, then in 2006, she's in another Lucky McKee movie called The Woods, which I actually watched recently just because it's like a girls at a New England academy witchcraft, hmm. like evil spirits in the woods kind How of stuff it? going on. I dug it. Like, it's like a little boring at times, yeah. but I like the... Um, I like the New England kind of history they're tapping into. Also, the woman that plays her mother, who I can't remember her name, but she's really good, and Carrie. Um, she is, like, one of the leads in this. Um, I'll get her name for you. I, can pay, you. I think you mean Piper Laurie? It might be it. No, Piper Laurie is the original Carrie mom, isn't it? Yeah, oh, that's not who you mean. You mean Patricia Clarkson? Yes. Okay, yeah. gotcha. You meant from the TV movie Carrie that she yes, was in. Yes, yeah, that she was in. <laughs> okay, got it, yes. Yes. Uh, so, and I love this woman. I think she's a great actress. Yes, um, Patricia Clarkson rocks. But I didn't realize that oh, Bettis was in it because she just plays the voice in the woods. Like, she is just a voice that pops up at one point. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Bruce Campbell is in this, too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he plays like the the main girl's father. Um, yeah, there's like some cool. pretty fun stuff here. I think Lucky McKee is like a pretty interesting filmmaker. Yeah. Um, and like I love like just kind of what he adds to to horror. He like specifically does a lot of stuff around I don't know like interesting empowered or like uh interesting like uh complex women mm-hmm. in film, which I'm you know always a fan of. Yeah, yeah. Um, she is then in a movie that she directed and Lucky McKee wrote called Roman. Mm. Um, So it says here, in 2006, their May roles reversed when McKee acted for Bettis in her directorial debut, Roman, based on a McKee script. Um, Kristen Bell is in it. Um, a lonely young man's obsession with his neighbor gets the best of him, resulting in a murder, a cover-up, and a potential new romance. Interesting. Yeah, interesting stuff. That is pre- that's kind of a cool premise. Yeah. Um, in 2007, she is in the movie Scar. Um, a woman returns to her hometown for her niece's graduation, only to be confronted by the serial killer she she thought she offed years ago Whoa. which kind of just makes it sound like it's like a slasher uh sequel which is fun yeah that sounds cool uh and then in 2008 she is in wicked lake which for some reason i always see the poster for this it okay. must like always be available on streaming services uh two clans of deranged males <laughs> make the mistake of stalking four young women they assume to be easy prey only to find out that at the stroke of midnight, the tables will be turned and all hell will break loose. I mean, knowing nothing else but fun. that premise, that sounds pretty fun. Right? What the hell is two clans of deranged males? I mean, I, yeah. be- I do believe there could be two clans of deranged males. <laughs> Dueling clans yeah. of deranged men, which is like just a weird element of all yeah. of that. Um and then we get to her roles in the 2010s. Uh, for TV, she had a recurring role on the show Dig. 
Uh, she was also in Skins, Criminal Minds, CSI, Dexter, um, and Twisted Tales, which was a horror anthology show directed by Tom Holland. Oh, okay. That's cool. Interesting. I like yeah. Tom Holland. Um, in 2010, she's in a movie called Drones, which we almost watched because this sounded pretty cool. Paul F. Tompkins is in it, who we're a big fan of. Yes. Um, a man discovers a universal threat to his job, his life, and the planet. Um, what, what a crazy, just like sounding movie. I from know. That. But it's got this like awesome cast of people that I am like really into. Like Sam Levine is in this, James Urbaniak, Dave Allen. Yeah. The, the, it's like a lot of comedy people in this. It, the like imagery of it reminds me of like a supernatural um, office space or something. Sure, so I'm yeah, like, yeah. okay, sure. Um, it does sound cool. She is then in a movie called All My Friends Are Funeral Singers, which I believe she is uh, the lead. Um, the, film the film tells the story of a medium played by Angela Bettis uh, living with a group of ghosts in the house she wanted to leave. Uh, she finds out that the ghosts were trapped by her grandmother. Okay. Um, and then in 2011, she is in another Lucky McKee movie called The Woman, which I have watched. Um, apparently the novel was written in conjunction with the movie, okay. uh, which is really strange. It's a Jack Ketchum, um, adaptation. I forget what else he's written, but uh, I know that name. I was going to well. say, is that a name I should know? Uh, yeah. Um, I'm sure. I'll figure it out in a second. But yeah, and apparently I didn't realize this either because it doesn't read like a sequel, but apparently apparently this film is a sequel to The Offspring from 2009. Okay. I've never heard of it, but then there's also a sequel to this movie, I think called The Woman 2 or something. So there's like a lot going on there. I looked up Ketchum for you. Yeah, he um, wrote a book called Off Season that I think is known. Okay. Um, he wrote a novel called The Lost, a book yeah. called The Girl Next Door, which seems to have become a movie. That movie Darlin is based on characters that they oh, created. That's, I think, the woman, too, actually. Oh, Yeah, okay. Darlin. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, apparently, a segment in that movie XX is based on one of their stories. Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah, so there's quite a few things that uh, they've written that have uh, gotten some kind of adaptation. Yeah. So Darlin is a sequel to The Woman? Yes. Interesting. Which is a sequel to this other movie called The Offspring. Offspring. Tons okay. of weird stuff going on. Um, I watched it because I had heard about it, I think, on a podcast um, in relation to rape revenge movies. And it's an interesting premise. It's about this, like, you know, religious, like, uptight kind of like all American family. The father finds this like a uh, wild woman in the woods and decides to like capture her, chain her up in his like a barn and try to like civilize her, Whoa. Uh, including like raping her yeah. and like, you know, trying to make her speak and dress and do all of these things. And Bettis plays the wife who is like, knows this is happening, but she is such like a kept woman that she is like, she doesn't say anything yeah. about the abuse that's going on. Um, I mean, it's it's a pretty interesting movie just from like a kind of like a colonizer standpoint yeah, yeah. Uh, when, you know, in relation to just like how that is something that is very American uh, when we think about it, because that's what happened to a lot of indigenous mm -hmm. people that were here. And um, yeah, there is some interesting like rape revenge elements to it also because of that, um, as well as just like cycles of violence, like the son, I think like sees his father abusing her, this woman that they capture. And then the son goes to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's also just this like cycle of like male mm -hmm. abuse that's perpetuating itself. Um so pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in this idea of like a trilogy that like no one knows is really a trilogy. Right? Yeah. It's so weird. Um, then in 2012, she directed the ABCs of Death segment, E is for Exterminate, uh, yeah. which we watched. Uh, she was one of the only female directors. And one of, I think that's cool because I recently read something about how infrequently we see female directors specifically in these popular anthology horror yeah. movies. Um, so the fact that she is like one of the few at this time is like pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy in a movie where the whole fucking premise gives you 26 chances to like hire a woman Yeah, and like whatever, two or three get hired. Or exactly. You know what I mean? yeah. yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, we watched this just because it seemed like a fun thing to do. Um, she said on directing that she really loves storytelling and she said she wanted to get into something um, that she like hadn't really done before. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say it was a goal, but I guess I found it just more um, a successive. I can also do this. How's that? Does this help? Like kind of just getting into like yeah. learning another side of filmmaking. That's cool. Um, and I think specifically, I think what's interesting is she had such a tiny budget, but a big part of this is animation yes. for these like little spiders. And so she also talks about like this, that side of it and like learning kind of like how to animate a feature, which is pretty cool. That is really cool. Cause yeah, I mean the most interesting aspect of her short is um, that, that like the spider animated stuff. Yeah. Um, cause I uh, fucking uh, hate spiders. You know, <laughs> otherwise it's like in, in like um, what I'm sure were like very cheap and easy to get locations, you yeah. know, but they're like unremarkable locations and stuff like that. But so like, having those like little animated spiders, which are, are real freaky yep. and I think pretty effective in it. That That's interesting that that's like kind of the focus of it. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I, lo I think it's cool. I'm pretty into it. Yeah. Uh, even though I fucking hate spiders. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I can't believe she's in the next movie that is here. I've not seen it, but I've no. not seen it. I also don't know a lot of his, I just know his name more than I know his movies. I feel like, but in 2017, she's in a uh, song to song, which is a Terrence Malick film. Yeah. Has a crazy cast. Ab his movies always have absolutely wild casts. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Gosling, Rooney Mara, Michael Fassbender, Natalie Portman, Kate Blanchett, Holly Hunter, all these fucking and of people. Course, Angela Bettis. And Angela Bettis. And it's just like, I feel like also, at least from what I think I know of him, his movies are pretty like expansive and crazy. But like also the description here is like two intersecting love triangles. And I'm like, what? That's, that's what this movie is. I mean, this is like one of the, I mean, to, to call it controversial is the wrong way to say what I'm trying to say. But like, this was one of the Terrence Malick, but this and Knight of Cups were like a couple Terrence Malick movies that people were just like, Wait, what the fuck is he doing? Like, what is even going on in Terrence Malick movies? Oh, interesting. Now? Um, at, but then you know, also had their absolute uh, uh, champions and lovers who were just like, just because this isn't the big expansive, you know, Malick painting with this huge brush, like, mm. doesn't mean it should be ignored or you interesting. Know, so I, I am curious about them. I, I'm not a huge like Malick person. I don't generally. know if I've seen any Malick. He did the Thin Red Line, um, which I remember seeing back in the day. He did that movie, The New World, which is essentially Pocahontas, but like oh, yeah. without being like, a, you know, is meant to be more historical and stuff. Without but, like singing and dancing and right, talking yeah, trees. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, uh, um, the Tree of Life. Uh, oh, with yeah. Pitt. Yeah. I've never yep. not seen any of those things. Yeah. Uh, interesting filmmaker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just crazy to me that she's in one of his movies. I, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, kind of interesting, like, randomly just seems to, like, work with, like, a, a name out of yeah. nowhere. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, but then, uh, you know, like, doing less and less films at this point in uh, her career. But mm -hmm. in 2020, she was in 12-Hour Shift, which I saw for the first uh, Berlin Final Girls Fest that I covered. And I was like, oh, this seems fun. I like Angela Bettis. Um, Bria Grant is the filmmaker who yep. I also really like. Mm -hmm. She We liked um, her like as an actress in some things and also yep. as a director, I think. Yeah, she was in The Stylist. Uh, her movie Torn Hearts just came out. Um, I saw her in Lucky recently. Um, so she's like definitely a big name, like an independent horror mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, it's about like people working in a hospital who are also like doing like black market, like organ, yeah. like selling. And it's like really funny and weird. And I think I liked it much more than I expected to. <laughs> I really liked this movie. I think Bettis is tremendous in this yeah. movie. Like this might actually be my favorite Bettis performance, even above it's like so May different and from anything else. Yeah. And, and it's one of those movies that's like about like genuinely shitty people doing shitty things, which I think can sometimes be hard to watch actually, yeah. even when it's supposed to be funny. But this finds a perfect tone where like, I do have fun watching these like dumb assholes yeah. do shitty shit, you know? Cause sometimes that's the thing. Like we just talked recently about like, uh, like breaking bad objectively is a good show. 
I don't love it because I just don't like those characters are unlikable to me. And so that makes it like hard to watch or care about these people. But for some reason, like movies like this with that kind of humor really toe that line in a way where it works for me. Like the dumb, vapid blonde that she's like in all of this shit with is like so funny and like hilariously dumb in this. And Bettis is just like so fucking dejected and pissed off. And I think she's like addicted to like opioids in this too. So she's also dealing with like all of that in the backdrop. She's got kind of like a wild feral energy in this. Yes. That's really cool. Uh, David Arquette randomly plays a serial killer <laughs> yep. in this movie. Yep. Yeah. Um, all, yeah. Like, a- and the movie is, by the way, like not really about a serial killer, but there is one in it. Like, it's yep. like, it's an interesting, weird movie. <laughs> also, I don't know if this is true or not, but this was the note on IMDb that it also has David Arquette, a one-time WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Okay, so that is true. That's insane. There is a documentary you can watch about David Arquette getting into wrestling at one point in like the late 90s, early 2000s, and then getting back into wrestling again in like middle age, like more recently. Um, And supposedly the documentary is great. The whole thing with him and wrestling, like in the early 2000s, is because he was like in a movie that I think was like a wrestling movie produced by the WCW. And Weird. so then, as like almost like a stunt thing, they had like the star of their new movie come actually wrestle in like a mat. And so, like, it became this whole thing. Yeah, he, he has actually has like an interesting history. I was the, like, that has to be yeah. a fake note. Nope, that, is nope. <laughs> a, that is a real thing. <laughs> that is such a weird thing to learn about him. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, she talks about Bria Grant a little bit here and just wrote said that Bria Grant uh, wrote a complex anti-hero when she wrote Mandy. It was so fun and challenging for me to play complex characters and anti-heroes. Is it possible to get an audience to care about uh, about and even like a character so flawed? I wanted to give it a try. What a challenge. I mean, she fucking pulls it yeah. off. I really think she is terrific in this movie. You do? Like, the whole, like oh, fuck. How is she going to get out of this? Like, I hope she figures out how to get out of this. And it is what I was just saying where it's like, it's the kind of movie that sometimes would actually turn me off, but I yes. do think that she's so good at being so compelling as Mandy yeah. that I, I, I find Mandy a very easy character to spend the movie with, yep. even though she's like this totally manic, like yeah. kind of bad. You know, it's like it, she's really good in this. It, yeah. I kind of like these movies that also just do focus on, I guess, like, I don't know, like seedier kind of archetypes of people that we just like as a society try not to like think about, like mm-hmm. knowing these people exist and like not wanting to deal with it. Like uh, that's what Mona Lisa and the the Black Moon is like mm-hmm. a lot about too. these just like weirdos on the fringes of society. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, that's like kind of a thing I'm like really digging in a lot of movies that mm-hmm. I'm seeing recently. Um, and yeah, everyone is just such a, such a piece of shit in this movie, but I love them all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I really, I, I like highly recommend people seek out 12 hour shift. I yeah. thought 12 hour shift was really cool. So good. Um, and then in 2021, uh, she is in Ghosts of the Ozarks, also with David Arquette. Interesting. Uh, in post Civil War Arkansas, a young doctor is mysteriously summoned to a remote town in the Ozarks, only to discover the utopian paradise is filled with secrets surrounded by a menacing supernatural presence. Okay. I mean, that sounds cool. That's the kind of thing I'm into. Yep. And then uh, she is currently filming a movie called The Weird Kids, which is an animated film. Yes, with a Z. That's how you know it's animated. Um, So, yeah, some additional information I found out about her. She produced uh, three movies called Love in an Apocalypse, uh, one through three. All documentaries starring her, McKee, and her former husband, Ford. Interesting. Uh, And just, like, kind of... I think the first one specifically is, like, her and McKee kind of traversing, I don't know, just, like, what America is at that time, like, with everything going on. Um, I mentioned she was briefly married to Kevin Ford, um, who is a director, writer, and producer, uh, and is a member of Ford's Mo Freak Productions, uh, okay. which started in 2001. Um Bettis also starred in two Broadway productions, The Father in 1996 with Franklin Jella. I wonder, is it the same thing as that movie, The Father, that came out a year or two ago? I don't know. I wonder. 
Um, but then the other role was she played Abigail Williams in a 2002 revival of Arthur Miller's The Crucible oh. alongside Liam Neeson and Laura Linney, which is pretty cool. That is wa- yeah, that's a crazy cast. Yeah. Awesome. I'm just trying to figure out if this is the same thing or not. Maybe not. I mean, The Father is a very basic title. It, it is. Yeah, it could be. It could be many things. Um, so yeah, that's, that's like pretty much all I found. I tried to find out more personal information, but like I said, she like is very closed lipped about like her life outside of film stuff. And I definitely respect that. Like if you're able to like stay out of the limelight and just do your shit, like good on you. I think it Um, fucking rules that she's, she is May, an iconic horror character and has actually been able to live a mostly private life. You know what I mean? Like that's pretty fucking cool. And then, you know, like comes out of the Wodeberg to work with like new horror directors like Bria Grant and stuff. I think that's really cool. That's super cool. Yeah. And I mean, I really, I, that's like my, my big thing at the end of this episode is like people should see 12 hour shift. I think that like her and Bria Grant really did something cool in that movie. For sure. Um, yeah, and I, like, love that shit. It reminds me of, like, Crampton working with, like, all mm-hmm. of these, like, younger filmmakers yep. and just trying to, like, kind of help them get a leg up Usher in this. another generation. And Absolutely. Yeah, I feel yeah. like that gives me all the warm and fuzzies when it comes yeah. to the horror community that we're in. I guess I would also recommend that, that Carrie TV movie to people. Yeah. I agree. It's pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Well, this yeah. was fun to do. I yeah. really enjoy her and her work. I, I just, man. She is just fucking cool. She's very cool. Yeah. I dig her. I would feel like she'd be like dope as shit to like talk to and hang out with. She seems like she would be a cool hang. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, cool. We're we're good, I think. All right. Um, why don't you plug some things? Sure. So uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, The Neon Banshee. Uh, like I said, I'm covering Fantastic Fest. Also, you can read an art, a piece I just did that is how to start watching medical horror in honor of the movie Smile that's coming out soon uh, with Kyle Gallner. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then pre-orders for the uh, Kindle version of Hero Scream Volume 2 are now open. So you can pre-order the virtual and then hopefully the pre-orders for the physical copies will start soon. Sounds like uh, virtual copies will also be sent out on October 23rd, which is my birthday. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, those are things to look forward to. Indeed. Uh, you can find me on the internet at Philadelphia. That's with an F. Check me out on Letterboxd. And uh, you can find our podcast everywhere at Killer Bees Podcast. That's Killer BS Podcast. Yes. Send us an email. Tell us who you want us to talk about. Yeah, because I'm still only getting Bitcoin and like something about my birthday. I keep getting like birthday emails. I don't know. Maybe they're telling you your book's being published on your birthday. You should check those emails. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're sending Killer Bees things that just say your birthday on them to talk about the book I'm in. All right. <laughs> Ignore it, your peril. Sure. (laughs) All right, let's get out of here. All right, buzz, buzz. Buzz.